laughing episode It's about time A time-traveling episode About time Time-traveling episode It's about time Hello and welcome to the Screen 17 podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Raymond Hogg, joined as ever by Rob Mullen. Guten Tag. And Eddie, what's your name this time? Diligent Speaker Bolton. Hello, how is it going? Every other week, we come to you with discussions, reviews, takes on topics from screens large and small. This week, our main topic is going to be on a 2016 sci-fi alien movie, Arrival. But before we get into that, let's catch up with the guys. What have you been watching? Arrival. <laughs> Actually, I rewatched um, Lost in Translation the other day. Oh, nice. Because I haven't seen it in a few years. Maybe well, I was feeling... you to watch that again. I don't know. Maybe I was feeling melancholy or something. Um, also, it's just a really good movie. You mean the pandemic's not getting you melancholic enough? You had to watch <laughs> felt... like a really drab movie. You're going to tell me you watched The Road as well. <laughs> oh, well, man. it keep... was Rob's. Uh, it was Rob's special birthday uh, the other day. So special Maybe. birthday, you say? Like I'm dying. Fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Do we all know this special number 30, 33? No. Yes. <laughs> Symmetrical birthdays. Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> Smash and Pumpkins have a song about it. Do they? <laughs> yeah, thirty-three. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did well, not. There are know many number of songs. <laughs> what about you, Eddie? Apart from Arrival, which you literally watched last night, what have you uh, been watching? Let's go. Let's um, let's talk about Lost in Translation a little bit more because I yeah, okay. I haven't seen it since it came out. I don't think. Um, it's. I remember it being a great watch. I, I think I wanted it to be a little bit funnier at the time. You know, I was quite young at the time. I was probably in my teens. Wanted, I saw Bill Murray in the in the trailer. That looked funny. And then I saw him in the, you know, he's going to be in the film. And you know he's what? Bill Murray, so he's going to be hilarious. And then watching it, I, I did find it to be quite uh, introspective. Yeah, it, it really rang differently with me this time, okay? Because the first time I saw it, it came out in what? 2003 or something was it 2002 maybe yeah i think it's 2002 actually i said missed it when it came out i was probably a bit young anyway and i think i saw it around 2008 or 9 and yeah i was pretty young and i, I don't know what i was expecting but i did know it was going to be good and kind of interesting arty movie and i liked it but watching it again now after having a job a few years ago that i used to travel all the time really rang true with me in different ways of like the boredom and loneliness of traveling and how you're just like almost really trying to find someone else who speaks your language Mm. (laughs) you know like i remember being in brazil for four weeks on my own and the odd time i'd be in a customer's office and to be somebody else from my company there who spoke english i'd be like oh my god you're my best friend for the next few days while you're here (laughs) um Yeah, it's really strange. It's just that sort of melancholy that rings with you. And then it's, as well, his relationship, Bill Murray's relationship with his wife at a distance where he's trying to stay engaged and interested, but he's getting all these stupid, mundane questions. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, there's the two, there's the 
I suppose, diametrically opposed kind of struggles going on where she's struggling with her family and coping with them alone, trying to raise and look after the kids while he's trying to get money and do work. So I suppose there's, there's moments of where he has almost a relief where he's not looking after his kids, but also he's really, really lonely. Mm. You know, and he's trying to maybe become a better person or learn about himself or just do something. And you see that he does miss his family and he's very separated. So it's not that he's on like having the best time of his life, you know, out working in some foreign country that a lot of people seem to think. Yeah, it's funny how you you're that. on like you're on a bit of a vacation, like working yeah. away from home. I I only ever got that from people who never travelled with work, who were like, Oh, it must be great, you know, you're travelling all the time, you're going to all the parties and occasionally it's good like that, mm. but a lot of the time it's not because you at least for my job, I was could be working twelve hour days Jesus. when I was travelling. So by the time you're done, you're kind of just collapsing in the hotel, getting food there. Or if there's somebody with you, you might get food with them and you mm -hmm. go to sleep for a few hours, back up early again tomorrow. So yeah, it was never the most fun thing, at least from my perspective. Yeah, that yeah. sounds horrendous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be completely honest. It's grim. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic brought to you by Rob so, Mullen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a nice way to start the podcast. The other thing I said well, you. Sorry, I was going to ask, were you meeting uh, very attractive young women and going to the gym and then going and doing karaoke with them? No, uh, I did go to the gym <laughs> a lot, though. That bit rang at me where you're just like sitting in a gym. And I, I like using the gym anyway. I have one mm. in my garage. But also, it's kind of out of boredom. <laughs> you're just yeah. like, what will I do? guess I'll go to the gym again. <laughs> you know, I suppose it's I'll another way, like one of those weird concepts where on a vacation or I guess you're saying with a business trip, how two people can meet completely bond and then go completely their separate ways and never interact with each other for the rest of their days. Yeah. Um, it's that weird type of any Porter stranger in a storm. I mean, I had a similar thing years ago. Um, it was like the first time I went to Amsterdam. I think I had a group of friends who were saying they were going to go, going to go. And then at the last minute, everyone kind of was just like flaking out, not going. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going myself. Um, and kind of, you know, got on Facebook, just like, oh, any backpackers hanging out in Amsterdam? And I met up with like one or two people and you literally just hang out for that weekend. You don't have anything in common bar. Just, yeah, we're only here for the weekend. Let's go visit a museum. Let's go visit a couple of cafes and part and never see each other again. But it's it's a weird um, part of humanity where you can kind of come together with strangers and completely part again. It reminds me of being a kid when my parents used to bring me on camping trips and you'd find three or four other other young lads to hang around with and you know go to the swimming pool and to you know, play chasing or whatever mm -hmm. always at the end of that trip you'd be going oh here we will completely stay in touch <laughs> you, you are one of my best yeah, friends i will write you all the time life. drunk yeah. talk before you were drunk yeah. <laughs> yeah never never talk to them again ever i, I remember um i can really sympathize with the moments bill murray has in the movie where someone is like almost ranting at him in Japanese and he doesn't know what they're saying. And they like, and then he, he has a translator as well. So it's not too bad, but mm. like from one of my stories, I remember getting a taxi to an office and the taxi driver, I think just refused to believe that I didn't speak Portuguese or just fancied ranting at me. And I think he thought I was American because he'd like passed me back a newspaper and started ranting about Obama for like 20 minutes. <laughs> In Portuguese, I know it was Obama because I could recognize that word, 
but then he and he's like gesturing at the newspaper. <laughs> he's like, I think I had managed to learn at least a little bit of Portuguese to say like I don't speak Portuguese. Please, thank you. Yes, all those kind of things. And it's like I just shrugged my shoulders and sort of sat there in silence. God, well, this is a mad tangent from the from the yeah. <laughs> translation or lost in translation. Um, what was the other thing you were watching, Rob? Breaking Bad. Um, oh, are you rewatching it? Bad. Yep. Oh, nice. That's good. That's one of those TV shows that you kind of want to get like um, media amnesia and rewatch it again for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Like it just, it's such good acting. Mm. And like even the moments when you think, God, Jesse, you're such an idiot. It's like, yeah, th- he's supposed to be yeah. <laughs> like two bit drug dealer. Um, Did you watch the, um, the movie slash wrap up episode that they released? I can't remember the name of it. Um, El Camino. El Camino. Yeah. El Camino. Yeah. No. Did you see- have you not seen that? No. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. it takes um, place like right after Breaking Bad with Jesse. I liked it. It was just completely unnecessary. Mm. We already knew he got away, and I'm happy enough to imagine whatever future I wanted. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you guys, but yeah, I, I liked it. I just didn't think it was yeah. at all necessary. I haven't seen it personally myself, um, but I've no interest in watching it. It, like you said, it felt like an unnecessary like um, prelude to the whole story. So, yeah. like, what's the point? I watched the scene with... Oh, spoilers. No, I won't say. Fwing, fwing, fwing! Anyway. I watched the scene that ties back into the series. Yeah. That's all I watched. Oh, fair enough. What about you, Eddie? What have you uh, been catching up on in the last few weeks? Uh, so, I've been watching the Daniel Craig Bond films over the last couple of weeks in preparation for whenever... No Time to Die comes out. Nice. I wasn't. Nope. I was just thinking today that I want to rewatch some Bond movies. Not necessarily uh, the Daniel Craig ones, but like some of the random uh, older ones. Like ridiculous like ones. Like Brosnan Bonds. Yeah. Come I to Die is a terrible well. movie, but I want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted um, to watch these because the there's a, a theoretically there's a through line between Casino Royale and No Time to Die. I wanted to see what the threads would be and mm. how they tie up. So I kind of had some... So because when you're watching them, it's pretty much terrorists, let's get them. There's no yeah. real plot. Yeah. So I, so I kind of had you know a Wikipedia thing open with me as I was watching it going, okay, this character ties in here, this character is this. Mm. And I found I enjoyed them an awful lot more that way. I also enjoyed them an awful lot more watching them quite close together because I was able to pick up character motivations. And well, you don't really get to know Bond at all. You're not meant to. You mm. still, I found Daniel Craig more likable watching him four films over a couple of weeks than what's it been now? Four films in 16 Maybe. years. So putting it on on the spot, what's the best one in your opinion now, having seen them pretty recently? Casino Royale. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Mm. It gets worse, doesn't it? Just gets Every movie, I think, gets worse. Mm, 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 mm. Sorry, I'm Mm, bringing water. mm, No, I disagree. mm, mm, Um, (laughs) I do think... I think they all have their merits. I think Quantum of Solace gets an awful rap. It's not that bad. There are some great sequences in it, 
it just doesn't hold a candle Casino Royale. But I think Skyfall is better than Quantum. And that's mainly because it looks spectacular because Roger Deakins was the cinematographer. So the scene, for instance, like the, the, the one out of all four films, the one scene I remember most is the silhouette fight in Skyfall against the blue background. It's gorgeous looking. Mm, yeah. And I enjoyed Spectre an awful lot more than I remembered enjoying it in the cinema. So I tell you what, that whole stuff they do in Spectre to try and tie it all together just pisses me off because it's so clearly badly done. It's like, no, you didn't. You didn't. You're not the architect of his downfall or whatever he says. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, it's like the Star Wars sequels. You know, you had no plan coming into this. You just haphazardly <laughs> made a bunch of movies and pretended you did. Um, yeah, the plan from the start. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a, any thoughts on Bond. It's never really been my thing. I've seen them. I, I, they're fine. They're movies I watch if I have to sit down and watch them. I've never had a pull towards it. It's funny. I having watched them again. Um, it just highlights for me that the Mission Impossible films are by far and away better than so much better than, yep. than the James Bond films even more entertaining yeah you care about the characters you actually care about what's happening like, and the sequences are I, I'm sorry for any James Bond fans listening here the sequences in especially the last two to three Mission Impossible films blow pretty much anything I've seen from a James Bond film out of the water dude that helicopter scene in the last Mission Impossible the fucking fallout it's just the ending just keeps going on and even at the end you can see Henry Cavill's character is just like Give up, man. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching it and I was just like, this is Henry Cavill. You almost feel sorry for the guy because Tom Cruise is just after him the whole time. You can see it's his teeth gritting down to the bare yeah. nose. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the few um, kind of long running movies series that I think just keeps getting better. Yeah. yeah. Um, I showed Stu, the, our mutual friend Stuart, the opening scene of rogue nation which he'd never he'd never seen any of the mission possible so before good. is this the airplane scene it's the airplane scene and i remember yeah. just like i was talking to another one of our friends and he was just saying like that was the whole trailer before and they have that in the first <laughs> sequence what else is going to happen in this film <laughs> like say what you want about tom cruise he's very much out there whatever oh about my God. personally yep. you can't fault like his gusto for pulling off a good stunt like the man just he's up for it. He's just mental. I feel we should all be allowed to have one person that is not a good person and just be able to like them because of what they do in their professional career with no qualms. For me, that's Tom Cruise. That's, Tom Cruise is my, I love him. He's, yeah. <laughs> I, know he's dreadful. I know he's a dreadful person. Have you seen the most recent like, stunt that's been kind of circulating yeah, on Instagram? It's ridiculous. It's like it's kind of going even, off. I don't even want to see it. Don't yeah. want spoiled. I'm sure it'll be in the trailer that like probably, it's probably just like that. Um God, the, that's anything there, else, Eddie? Or yeah, there was one other thing I watched. Um I watched again the I kind of well, right, you and I started uh watching a few Halloween um films a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. But I continued it on last week and I watched again Annabelle Comes Home, which is part of the Conjuring universe. Yeah, the Conjuring universe. Is that what it's called? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, let, it should never be. call it that again. <laughs> uh, but Annabelle Comes Home is great. It's like a, 
it's a proper centralized haunted house film mm. with lots of different things going on, different characters being pulled left, right, and center. Uh, some genuinely creepy elements are added in that you haven't seen before in the Conjuring films and a lot of humor in it as well which I was not expecting when I saw it in the cinema it's it's brilliant I I'd I'd put it just behind the first two Conjuring films as far as in that universe what the best films are oh well I must give it a watch this Halloween yeah it's good fun um touching on that myself and Eddie we watched for the first time uh what was the name of it? The the one that's on Zoom? Host. Host. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Like for an indie movie, it's what, 60 minutes long? Which one is that? Uh, no, it's less. It's about 50, 55 minutes. It's 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 done completely over Zoom. Um so it's like it's kind of like you know what we see here. So anybody who obviously can't see us, they have various screens on on it's like a Zoom chat, and it's a horror movie that breaks out over a seance. So they bring in a seance for a little bit of a laugh. And things just take a turn for the worst after that. But it does some really, really cool um, jump scares. But God, what way do we describe it? It was just like you almost expect it to happen and it fakes out numerous times. And then you're kind of not expecting it to happen. And then it gets you. It doesn't help watching it with you. (laughs) You. (laughs) Who will commentate over going, oh, the next thing it has to be. No, it's definitely going to happen now. (laughs) <laughs> Eddie, look in that left-hand corner there. Look over there. <laughs> it's definitely going to be there. And then, and then it comes from the right-hand right corner. corner. <laughs> it's very good. Me, um, just sorry, the, the idea of the filmmaking reminds me of a film I really do want to see, but I haven't seen yet, called Searching, with um, John Cho, who was mm, in the yeah. new Star Trek movies, where, again, it's all like webcam-based. Yeah, I mean, there's a few of these movies that have come out recently, like Unfriended was another one um, that came out a few years ago, similar kind of concept. Um, but yeah, no, um, really the good movie. The, the, one of the most interesting parts about Host is that it was made during lockdown. Yeah, Obviously. and they're actually commenting on the pandemic while they're in the movie. Like, oh, yeah. this, this is our life now going forward. So it was very surreal. So it Yeah, it was conceived watch. and filmed and produced and uh, released in a 12-week span. Oh, wow. So, okay, I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Um, I, not that I find them overly scary or anything. Um, it's just not huge on the genre. So would you recommend it to me? Yes, because it's super short. So you know that you're not, even if you don't like it, you're only sinking about 50 minutes into it. Oh, it's yeah. shorter than most HBO episodes. Yeah, well. So, uh, yeah, let's check that out. Um, me, myself, I... What you <laughs> me, myself, I... <laughs> you might tell why. Um, Watch the Jim Carrey specials again. <laughs> yeah. I watched. Um, I watched and completed the Jurassic Park animated series that's on Netflix, Camp Cretaceous. Um, very good. It's obviously geared towards a younger audience. Like you don't see the same type of dinosaur killings that you would see in the Jurassic dinosaur. Dinosaur. Mister DNA does actually make an appearance. Mister oh, DNA. Um, same voice. Oh, it must be. It sounded almost identical. Um, but it's, it's, it's about this like group of kids who all, they're like from various different backgrounds. You got like the dino nerd, you got like the rich kid, you got the kind of nervous kid who's like really uh, like hypochondriac kind of thing. Um, but they all go to this like just 
mini kind of camp, summer camp that's based within Jurassic World. And the TV show actually takes place over the course of the first Jurassic World movie. So there's interactions with the Indominus, like the Raptors, some member, some cast members who are actually in Jurassic World as well. Um, very good. Like it's obviously geared, like I said, to to a younger audience. But if you're a big Jurassic nerd like me or something like that, it's really good world building. And I think it's well overdue that Jurassic franchise had that kind of background world building. Like we obviously got video games, like the Telltale game that came out, but it's not canon. Whereas I think this actually is canon. And it's just nice to start getting stuff like that. So I don't know, maybe if it's very successful, uh, it might take off and maybe one day we might get that ever sought after prequel with uh, John Hammond. Go on, give us Jurassic Park Origins. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Could you imagine like if I can, I know this is a bit late now because Anthony Hopkins is probably too old, but Anthony Hopkins S character came in to play a young John Hammond or something. Fucking deadly. I'd imagine if they were doing that, they'd probably have him about 20 years younger than uh, Richard Attenborough was. Mm. Yeah, I can't even... You know, the fir- like the first dinosaurs that were brought to the island, the very first ones. Yeah, and like have it set like in like the late 70s or something like that, where they were kind of developing it and kind of building towards the park. And then, you know... Or no, actually, considering the first movie takes place in, what, 92 or something like that, it could actually just be set in like the mid-80s. Mm. And then it could be just them developing it, cr- creating the first dinosaur, which happens to be like this horrific mutation that they have to contain. And then they slowly figure out how to improve it. That'd be a great yeah. idea. Oh, I um, the park again now. Yeah, it's freaking deadly. Uh, what else did I watch? I watched something with... Oh, I watched a Train to Busan appearance, but I think I said that last time. Um, yeah. Apart from that, not much. I have just been playing Avengers uh, on PS4, the new kind of game that came out from marvel um yeah that's it very good that's that's let's go and uh, arrive at our destination <laughs> yes so, so if uh you're you're still listening <laughs> this week's topic is arrival <laughs> last time we kind of had a successful little format where one of the lads here did the synopsis and we kind of just chatted over it but i don't really know what they want to do this time because i can't remember this movie very well <laughs> because <laughs> i watched it about it three go. weeks ago so eddie is going to take the reins on this and i guess we're going to have a general discussion and then get into a bit more of a spoiler but don't worry you'll hear a unique klaxon come in to uh, designate when we're going to spoiler territory but um overall thoughts what do you think of arrival it's an a plus for me i love it um mm. especially was it when did it come out 2016, 2016. um i just yeah sort of even years before that i've just been searching for really good kind of unique sci-fi movies and this was such a big mainstream one that's exactly what i was looking for at the time that wasn't just this big action independence day story you know michael bay special with explosions you know, it had real thought to it had real science fiction it's so good and it's just such a great performance by amy adams and mm. um, there's obviously bits that piss me off a little bit mainly because especially nowadays the probably too real like the okay i won't go into it because it hits on potential spoilers but stuff that happens just near the end Mm. not the very end but to engage with the end does piss me off but i think the chances of those things actually happening is probably quite high so yeah um i just i really loved it um it does have its faults but i still count it as an a plus for terms of enjoyment i watched it on my own in the house with the surround sound on 
And holy crap, the audio in this movie is amazing. Like, obviously, it's all about linguistics. Mm. So it really goes in for the sound. But some of it's downright terrifying, even if you're, like, just on your own in your house. Yeah, I think um, that the sound of the hectopods, I think that's what they're called, um, like the kind of squid aliens, like that low kind of... Yeah. Like real guttural kind of... It's almost like the, the opposite of a whale. So where a whale is quite high-pitched and angelic, these are real kind of like guttural kind of chest noises. And it's uh, very creepy. Like you, you can just imagine like if you're in that situation, that would just terrify you. I loved um, Amy Adams' reaction. They kind of cut from the first time she goes on the ship to when she's off it. Hmm. almost immediately um and she's like shaking you know and then yeah. you see um jeremy renner as well and he just immediately gets sick <laughs> and mm. it's, yeah, the, the fear and adrenaline you would have in that situation yeah it's just yeah. so high and uh yeah i mean it's just at least from my perspective pretty much all around great acting performances yeah. by the whole cast it's quite um, um it's a very nicely paced movie as well. It, it's like one of those, like you said, you kind of see these alien movies where like we won't pigeonhole this one into alien invasion movies, but it does give off the air of an alien invasion movie a la kind of um, District 9 or something like that or Independence Day at first. And we're so used to seeing this thing where all the military come in and they figure it out and they have to nuke the guys and you know the world comes together to defeat the aliens. Whereas this is almost like, if the like obviously we won't go into the spoiler territory yeah it flips that kind of dichotomy on its head and so it's it's just a much better take of what could happen it's quite hard to talk about this movie without going into spoiler territory <laughs> do you guys want to give your letter grades or percentage grades yeah oh it's so hard um i'm i love this film not as much as you rob i have some issues with it but i also feel like i'm nitpicking an awful lot when i look at it hmm. uh, for me it's from what i've seen i haven't seen enemy or his his older uh, french language films but for me it's my least favorite neville no film and that's Ooh. still not faint that's not like being faint praise or faint praise it's i still really like this film and i love his other films absolutely adore them hmm. blade runner 2049 is in my top 10 ever yeah. So, yeah. so saying that it's my least favorite is not saying I really, I don't really like it. I do. I think it's a great film. Mm. I have some issues in connecting with the Amy Adams character. Mm. There are elements of her performance I'm not crazy about, and I think that's not down to her. I think it's the script. I feel like the script could have done with one more pass just to perfect it. Not that I don't think it's great because it is. It's subtle in how it presents character motivations, which you don't get with big blockbusters anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not outright told someone's an asshole. You know, you can understand everyone's motivations behind what Mm. they're doing, but some of her backstory, we'll go more into it in spoilers, but some of her backstory or (laughs) actually I can't say it, uh, I know well, that's okay, the weird is, thing. It's such no, a weird movie. This is a, sorry. I said this before. We're, this is a time travel podcast, so we've kind of spoiled it already. Well, this is a time travel podcast. Just in case people think, well, all we talk about is time travel. This no, is a series you know called the Hot Pod Time Machine. Yeah, this is one of the series of the of the time travel episodes we're doing. So it's already a bit of a spoiler we're we're putting out there. <laughs> well, uh, the so, aliens obviously have to tra- spend a long time traveling get to earth right yeah that's it that's exactly (laughs) that's why it is 
Um, yeah, a period of time passes during the film. <laughs> All movies are time travel movies. <laughs> um, but I found, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't emotionally connect like I would want to for how personal the story tries to make it. That's all. Mm. But we can go into that. Yeah, do you, do you have a grading yeah, okay. then that you want to give it or do you want to kind of just leave it at a, a verbal kind of... I'll, you don't have to. Just like really B plus. B plus, okay. Um, I'm going to be also as generous and as harsh as Eddie. I'm going, I'm going to give it a B plus to a minus purely because slow movies aren't really my jam. I, I, I like entertaining kind of quick movies. I like popcorn movies. Um, but this is one of these movies where w- when I love a movie like this, I really love it. So this is like, you know, Blade Runner or this or something like Beyond the Black Rainbow or even what's that other one um, where the kid gets shot and his body flies over all the buildings. Um, <laughs> honest to God, it's, I can't remember the name of it. Into the Void. Into the Void. <laughs> it's an Bullet indie movie. Boy. <laughs> Bullet Boy? Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I love the performances. Obviously, the, the, the pace of this movie is, is something I'm not really overly keen, keen on, even though I, I praise it at the top of the podcast. But yeah, no, it's it's up there as one of my one of my favorite movies, but I still, I'm not going to put it into the A-class just yet. I'm going to leave it at B-plus as well, or I'm going to give it one and a half Abbott out of Costello's. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's... Synopsis, Ed. Yeah, so let's uh, let's kick know. into the actual synopsis and spoiler chat of this. So if you're still listening, this is your warning to get out. Boing, boing, boing. Okay, so the film opens up with Amy Adams and her baby, who we will not really get to know over the film. Mm. <laughs> One of my gripes. Most of you are really it. sorry for her, Eddie into it uh so we see amy adams with various ages of her daughter Mm. and we move into a point where her daughter is sick and and her daughter passes away from uh we we don't know what yet we're we're, i think we're led to believe it's it's the type of cancer because she's clearly been going through chemotherapy Mm. and then amy adams says is it you just when this happened they arrived or i'll remember no no, it was i will remember you passing just like i'll remember when they the day they arrived something along those lines yep so then we are brought into her attending a college where she is about to give a lecture and i also have another problem with this scene (laughs) where Amy Adams walks into her lecture theater and there's about, there's clearly a panic going on in the, in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, people are going, it. So I agree. I, I don't agree with that. Right. Um, these are college students going apeshit. I mean, if you think back, imagine there's lectures like, there as well. You can see them on their laptops. No, no. I don't think so. Cause I think she, it's supposed to tell a story, right? That she's so engaged in her work or she's so melancholic or something. But, you know, if I saw a bunch of kids just going panicking at a feckin' TV, I think they're watching some stupid TikTok video. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't give a shit. Okay, so, I'll take that point. But I, would, I will argue that 
everyone is ignoring talking to each other about what's going on because she enters the lecture theater and she goes, where is everyone? And no one says a thing to her. No, no one but, goes, what, No, no, no. What I got from that scene actually is that those kids don't know either because then their phones go off and that's when they say, uh, I think you should put the news on. Because remember, they, one phone goes off and then yeah. another two or three go off. And that's when I think those kids, kids have, hear about it. Yeah, they're, so they're only hearing about it in the lecture hall at the same time, I think. But yep. they, ign- I, I, I feel it for me. It plays that she asks, and they're so engrossed with what's going on that they don't even hear her asking where everyone else is. No, I didn't get it. But yeah, <laughs> disagree. Disagree. <laughs> Although Eddie did watch this last night. <laughs> anyway, that's um, look. We we were also allowed to get take different things from scenes. The other uh, thing as well is it is it uh, the way that movie opens up though it. Does she actually say to her daughter, I'll remember you passing, like, I'll remember them arriving? I thought it's implied that at the start of the movie, her that whole passing is supposed to be before they arrive. Well, it's not implied. It's you assume it because it shows up before they arrive. Yeah. So that's what, again, which is part of um, that whole scene playing, right? Is that you gather she's quite a melancholic and sad person. Because her daughter just died. So, yeah. you know, she wouldn't care about the panic that's going on around her. She's lost in her own world of sadness. Mm. So did it's a bit of a film trick. Die, I'll, definitely say, I'll definitely say it's a bit of a film trick because obviously she's not really sad because her daughter is not dead yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes, there is a bit of a trick there going on. Because mm. imagine... It's a like, lie. You're, it is a lie. But it's a movie, so they lie all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it is clever in how they play it up, but I think it's one of those where you're not adding to her experience a second time around. It's actually taking away from you. Don't really know her. That I think that's why I really enjoyed this film the first time. I enjoyed it more the first time. Second mm-hmm. time I watched it, I found because I know how it ends that I didn't, I really didn't relate to her. But, and it's not because, you know, you can't be going through an awful time, you can't be depressed, it's not that you can't be depressed, is that I had no understanding of why or how or where she was coming from in in her reality. And then we're just thrown in her after, you know, experience aliens. Yeah, because she's not coming from that experience of losing a child. She's going, like, clean slate aliens. Yeah, I mean, it's not a obviously for the character. It's not a clean slate. She's obviously had her own past and history, but just we don't ever see that or get any of that in the film. Whereas the first time you're watching her, and you're going, "Oh, she just lost her daughter. This is clearly a traumatic time for her." I will. I yeah, I hundred percent get your point. I think there's a bit of muddling going on in the story and her emotions, because at least from how I read it, from that point on, she starts having the kind of flash forward stuff. Mm. You know, when she's like daydreaming about this girl and then mm-hmm. she kind of, especially on a second viewing, you decipher that <clears throat> she's only figuring out that this girl is calling her mom and there's a picture of her, like her daughter's drawing pictures and like she's, so she figures out she's daydreaming about her own child. And I think that's it. It's like where her mind is getting so screwed up. Mm. Either Like imagine aliens land and then you start kind of going insane. 
like you daydream about stuff so vividly that you know hasn't ever happened hmm. and you get really yeah, confused. I guess- so i think that's part of it that she's now on almost another plane of existence in a way yeah 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 and i guess that does fit with the ending of the film which we'll get to what what did you think of the recruitment scene where, where is it it's is a force whitaker the recruits her it's yeah. it's very akin to um when um what's your mom's name juno ellen page ellen page is recruited in inception so he's you know how he goes oh sh- show me a maze and he shows a maze and goes no nah, shit give me something more difficult and she does something like where it's on a a, a corner or something like that and uh her recruitment tactic in this or his recruitment tactic in this is very similar He's like, well, here you're the best linguist, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, no, who are you getting to do it? And he goes, Mr. Whatever. And she goes, ask him the, the word for, what was it? Um, Farsi word for war. Is it is it war? Or, it's, or something Talks like war, that. No? Or no, ask him the word for hello or something. No, it's and, war because it was, um, the translation was uh, dis- disagreement like he, over cows. Exactly. He says, oh, it means war. And he goes, that's not what it means. It means a disagree. Yeah, a disagreement over cattle. Um, and that's why she's brought in, because she can differentiate the nuance of a language rather than the direct translation. Um, not all that dissimilar from Daniel Jackson in Stargate, you know, yeah. where the guy <laughs> translates it the first time as star door. It's not a star door. It's a star gate. <laughs> I actually love that movie. That's a fantastic <laughs> movie. We need, to, we need to rewatch that. We do. That'll um, be good. Um, so yeah. then after that, after the recruitment scene, you see that she's woken up by a, a helicopter. Forrest, Whit- Forrest Whitaker takes her over the the guy he had just gone to see and asked the question mm-hmm. to. And this is where we meet Jeremy Renner and his character, which I will get now. One, one take Bean about that. Natalie. Um, just one little thing, minor nitpick there. Why is Forrest Whitaker so adamant that she has so little time to pack? <laughs> like, just turn, yeah. turn he's got that crazy Forrest Whitaker eye thing going on. No, especially tap like no time. She's a she's a college professor, whatever. So she probably has piles of like resource materials, like books and things she might want to bring. Um, fucking give her time <laughs> yeah I, I, good I answers was, not was the whole answers. point not that he was leaving like a small team behind to collect her stuff and bring it maybe yeah maybe. I, I don't know it, it just read if to I was heard like, can you please not go through my personal things <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm surprised they didn't just like re- replicate her office like put it all into a chinook and just yeah. fly it off <laughs> Um, yeah, oh, it's, it, I mean it, you know it's it's just there to show yeah, that it's, it's, yeah. badass exactly. and, a, and in charge it's a very pitch meeting kind of thing. You know, why does she have to leave right now? So the movie can happen. Okay. <laughs> um, because. <laughs> I'm going to need you to get it all the way off my back about this. So the, she meets Jeremy Renner in the, in the helicopter and they have a quick conversation about. Time. <laughs> Oh, is it not? Is it Eddie struggling? Is it not about um, zero something something? No, no, the zero sum game. While uh, Eddie's re- reviewing this, did anyone else find it really hard to not see Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye in this movie? Like, I just can't imagine uh, him in any other role. I nah. guess the problem there is he's around all this military stuff. So yeah, yeah, it feels that there's moments I guess that feel like the first Thor movie. 
Mm. You know, when they have like the military base and all the He's just in the background hanging around. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that first shot of the heptapod ship mm. in Montana, the one there, and you see the fog rolling off the mountains. Holy crap, yeah. that's a beautiful shot. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. It's um, just so nice. And the, the music there as well. Um, and the shape. I love the design of the ships. Mm. Kind of almost, it's not quite teardrop because they're uh, kind of flat on one side. I saw a really um, cool um, video, like, I think a few years ago now, uh, where they compared the monolith from Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey, similar to this ship, where the monolith is quite angular and, and imposing and almost kind of used for war. The hectopod heptapod I'm never going to be able to pronounce he- it. Heptapod ship is like angular and almost welcoming and it's offering like a tool to unite hum- humanity. Yeah, um, curves on it. Yeah, mm. that's, that's a so, good idea actually. Oh, sorry. Bradford Young was the cinematographer for it who also did Selma and Solo, a Star Wars story. Well, you can't win I, them all. <laughs> 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 um, what, what was... Uh, Ian Donnelly and Louise Banks talking about Eddie on their helicopter. I didn't find it. Let's let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens next, Edward? Anyway, I know that basically it was it was the, the conversation was showing that he knows what he's about. Yeah. So the we are then introduced to Abbott and Costello, who we we find out they are their names after Jeremy Renner names them later on. But the first introduction to the heptapod is fantastic where mm. they are lifted up by a crane through the center of the heptapod and halfway up the gravity shifts mm. and uh this is done so realistically because i felt like i was there where i was looking down at the ground and saying there's no way i'm jumping yeah, out of the no. crane to yeah. walk sideways <laughs> <laughs> not a chance would i do that I would have no. to have Forrest Whitaker pull me off as well. <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh, oh, I beg yeah. your pardon. He, he got that crazy eye. Pull me off the crane. I'm, You're going myself. right now. Um, There's no yeah. time to explain. <laughs> I need this. On a, it's the only way. Um, <laughs> is it you? Is it me you need? That is the best sentence ever. Really need to uh, understand this. Um, yeah. yeah like it's so weird looking just yeah well, i love it's, it's when forwards at the ground i love when you see jeremy renner go, going out of the crane and he falls even though he falls up yeah it's yeah uh, it, it's incredible like he's so mm-hmm. startled by this change that your brain can't even comprehend like we watching the film couldn't comprehend it even and i know that if i was there i would have fallen flat on my face as well yeah yeah it's it's so well done like and normally with scenes like that you can kind of look at it and go oh it looks very silly it looks like they're on strings but it is one of those weird things where it almost looks like the vomit comet like when people are floating in the vomit comet and they come back down to earth it's a weird kind of like almost uh anti-grav and then boom you're down on the ground it's so well done i love the introduction then we get of the two aliens as they enter the screen Mm. um mainly because there's not a lot of language used there's not a lot of dialogue yeah you they don't start the interaction in that scene even though they kind of do yeah they don't show us it 
it for me it plays a little bit like in Jurassic Park when you first see the dinosaurs. You are the, the purpose of the scene is not to further the plot. The purpose of the scene mm. is to put you in awe of my God. These people are seeing aliens for the first time. Look how incredible this is. Yeah, yep. yeah. And it's it's got that weird thing like when you first see them. Um, there's so much that you don't see that your mind is kind of filling in the blanks. Like you you, you don't see like the full structure of the uh, heptopods till later in the movie. But <laughs> it's gonna be a movie saying... that you can't say heptopod. I can't. <laughs> Happy boys. Say it with me. I'm just referring to them as Abbott and Costello from now on. I'm not I'm not using the terminology anymore. <laughs> um but anyways, yeah, so it's that kind of aspect. Almost almost similar to in the mist, where it's kind of the creatures that you don't see are more terrifying than the ones that you see clear as day. Um but then obviously, yeah, you know, as you're gonna say as well, the reaction that they have after that's one of immense kind of adrenaline, terror, excitement. Like, how would you react in that situation? So they get off the ship and then they, you see Amy Adams shaking Mm. just with adrenaline and shock. And then Jeremy Renner. I like how Jeremy Renner looks at her and kind of smiles. Yeah. he He's okay. Yeah. And then immediately turns around and gets sick into a a basket. (laughs) It's brilliant. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the stuff after that of, um, you know, they, she eventually, did they say how many trips they've taken up and kind of been ineffective till she decides to get the little riding pad? Yeah, I think it's... It, it's a while, right? A couple of them, yeah, because she was trying to explain that she was human and yes. they weren't really getting it. Um, and then, is that... Uh, oh, no, yeah, the human thing, that's when she has the pad and she takes off the yeah. suit. Mm-hmm. And then everyone goes crazy, which like totally makes sense because we see the aliens without any suits. They're obviously behind the barrier, mm. but they're still showing their true face. So Who do you know they have? They don't have suits on. Have you not true? Seen yeah, Independence like Independence Day. Day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God Almighty! Yeah, and I think that that's a really not, like it. It it adds more to her character about she knows what she's doing and she can figure out the nuances of like language is more than just words it's it's actions it's how humans interact we have to touch we have to shake or have a proper greeting you can't just stand there notepad and expect them to understand yeah you they will have their own word for what they're calling us and we have our own word so that it's up for them to kind of go human so when she obviously puts her hand on the glass they're kind of going this is a greeting. So they try to mimic that. And that's when she says, now that's a proper hello. Um, um, what's the sentence she does for Forrest Whitaker? Um, is it, what is your purpose here on earth? Mm-hmm. And it, that's like showing him an example of, you know, this is where you want to get to. Right. And then she deconstructs the whole thing of, well, first you would need to understand what the question is. Yeah. Then they need to understand like pronouns. Yeah. Like you, like me, him. you plural, all of you. Yeah. Not together, not just the two of you, all of you as a species. Yeah. Then purpose meaning intent. Yeah. And then yeah. earth meaning us and so on. And it's like, yeah, there's so much there. Mm. And that's where you have kind of the, well, okay, I'm not a linguist. I guess it's probably correct. You're not? Science? No, I can barely talk at the best of times. <laughs> you, at least um, you can say <laughs> heplopod. <laughs> heplopod. <laughs> Unbelievable. Heptopod? He- yes. 
yes, okay. I mean, this there is where go. she gives the example to Forrest Whitaker of the kangaroo and the Aborigines and the mm. question of, you know, the, the first arrivals, the first arrivers at Australia pointed at at being that was jumping around on its on its hind legs with a little baby in its pouch and asked the Aborigines, what is this? And the Aborigines responded, kangaroo. And in her story, kangaroo means I don't understand. It ends up not being true, but she 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 pointed that this it, it proves my point of that you know we don't know what they're saying and they don't know what we're yeah. saying. Like we're inferring so, what their what their noises and what they're saying as what we think it means. Yeah, and that's I guess um, the cool thing about writing is that you know. I suppose we've no idea even they don't go into the audio stuff because obviously a heptapod's uh, range of speaking could be way below ours or way above our range of hearing even hmm. we've no idea so they don't go into that technically anyway in the movie but because she just uses writing and then demonstrates things physically hmm. um they write back and they have uh the ideograms or what are they called somatograms or something the really big circular symbols hmm. Mm-hmm. That they basically write a whole sentence at once, which is super cool. And like the design of those is really interesting, kind of yeah. creepy as well. I remember um, before the movie was out, and you only see the trailer. They, like you didn't, at least I didn't have an understanding of what the tone of the movie was going to be. So yeah, it looked a lot more really creepy than it was. Yeah, and I yeah. think that might have been on purpose. I think they wanted you to feel like this is a, like a sinister alien movie. Like yeah. it, it didn't seem like as optimistic as it was supposed to be. Um, I suppose we the thing also, with that, go on. I was gonna say we should also mention that there, every other country in the world, pretty much from what we're seeing, or the you know the usual heads of, are all they, they've also gotten a visit from this heptapod uh, or different heptapods, and yeah. they're twelve ships, isn't there? Using their own, mm. yes, and they're. Yeah. They're littered around the world, and they're using their own diplomatic ways to mm. interact with the with the heptapods and the aliens. Um, yep. Yeah. So you see Things the difference like in how. Yeah. So, for instance, like one is a China are interacting it by playing games, and you yeah, see Ma, that Ma they, or there's a mildly yeah. hopeful message at the start there, where it seems all the twelve governments that have ships around them are sharing or interacting mm. at least mm-hmm. which is like yeah we would all hope that would happen i think in the modern world it definitely wouldn't but we'd hope it would um and yeah it's like how different people kind of interpret the best way to talk to them and mm. um, obviously becomes a limitation later on because they don't have amy adams's superpower yeah <laughs> language <laughs> language um I suppose I was going to touch on what you were saying like the, the fact that they only converse in like a very basic way like through writing it's almost akin to uh like the way some humans have taught some gorillas to speak but purely through sign language because a, a gorilla could never mimic a human's lang- linguistic abilities the same way a human can't in, in mimic the gorilla's kind of linguistics so they can just teach them simple things like cat or hungry or want that so it's it's almost akin to that so you were the aliens are obviously vastly superior in the way that they can use their language and we're trying to communicate with them, but at the same way, they're trying to communicate with us the best way they can. It's funny. This is my, I have 
if you look at how the film is portrayed, I don't understand how the aliens at least can't write our language. If they if they, if how they perceive time is the mm. way Amy Adams perceives time, then I don't understand why if they need our help in three thousand years, they wouldn't understand our language now. But maybe maybe they never learned it. We just learned theirs. And because yeah, maybe. you see, the whole thing of learning their language is the weapon. It's the key to basically living in non-linear time. So my guess is that humans just evolved to use that as their primary language then. Because as soon mm-hmm. as they understand that language at all, you're now experiencing time non-linearly. Um, so you'd keep using that language as your primary uh, weapon. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, if that's a good point. Came, if, they, if they came and and started writing in English, then where's our, where's the, where's the motivation to try and learn their language? Exactly. And it means they never would have gotten help. So they had to have an impetus on us to learn their language. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, So this is where it gets foggy. Uh, I think this is where in the class. Yeah, so so we're. I think you're picking up with the part where one or two countries decipher it. At their like the translation of offering a weapon or use weapon, and yeah. that has caused is it China to kind of turn off. Yeah, and yeah, they need, like mobilize their army. I think is that ship is in. It's not no. Is it the Indian Ocean or is that the Australian one? But there's the Chinese one is out at sea anyway. Mm. So they cut to them and they've like mobilized the entire navy around it. And they've stopped communicating with the aliens. And like Amy Adams's point is that, you know, they're using, um, is it Mojang? Yeah, yeah. To communicate, which is a game. And it's like a winner takes all game. So it's like, that's not a very subtle way of communicating. Mm. Um, so it's not the best way to understand what they're saying or to get your point across either. So weapon could mean anything. Yeah, and I think then um, obviously the the US are getting nervous about this because they they're trying to I guess approach it from most angles. Like say they don't know whether the aliens have accurately been um, translated to say use weapon, as in they're going to use the weapon. So they're obviously you know prepping for the worst case scenario. So that's why they end up sneaking a bomb into one of the sessions where they're doing further kind of translations and stuff. But that's the bit that pisses me off now i don't it's not the u.s government that sneaks the bomb in it's like radicals i suppose well suspicious people in that platoon or whatever sneak bombs up yeah yeah independently because remember when they go back um there's like a patrol goes back with amy adams i think Mm. like hey those guys aren't back from their patrol yet and amy adams and jeremy renner are going to send a final message or something Yeah, yeah yeah for communications cut off and then they open fire. So those guys were acting alone. And that's the bit that really pisses me off. And mm. I think it's purely because it's probably likely to happen. The only thing I would say about it is that I feel, hopefully, if anyone was doing such a job of talking to aliens, they'd be given regular psychiatric evaluations <laughs> and seeing like what their motivations are. Mm. Hopefully not listening to what was obviously an Alex Jones reference or something. The <laughs> podcast. Oh God, yeah, that was very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, it's, it's so prevalent in the modern world. That it's like, yeah, this probably mm. would happen. There would be soldiers who are just fools, you know. Yeah. The thing is though, I can happen. understand the fear 
a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so you kind of you do get the motivations behind it, even though you hate what they're doing, because you have more context for what's going on than they do. Yeah. That's so, a good point. It's frustrating, though. It is because of the world we're living in right now. And you see this all too often when people just don't mm-hmm. listen or try and trying to be better. But yeah, I, that's actually a really good point, Ed, is that I suppose part of it is if you were kept in the dark while you were on that base, you'd be really suspicious, right? But something great could be happening. They could be having massive conversation mm-hmm. with aliens and the aliens telling them, oh, this is what's going to happen there. Here's some great technology. But if you were kept in the dark, you're just like, hey, there's aliens up there. Massive they're conversations. Secret, <laughs> yeah, they're doing secret things. Um, we're playing chic so, good times them we're all dancing they're all there telling you like oh wait till you see this Game of Thrones prequel it's going to be lit <laughs> and, they, and they'd say we've already seen it <laughs> it's terrible oh you're only um, going through the first year of quarantine stinger oh, it's going to be ages <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah continuing on from that I guess um, what happens yeah so obviously this, this bomb is, is put up there and Jeremy uh, Renner and Amy Adams are there trying to get one last message before everything kind of goes crazy. Um, and this is where they they kind of get the word time all over the place or the big urgent display message from yes, the Abbott and Costello characters. thousands of little circles yeah. everywhere. It's like and a then, segment. It's, hmm. so I suppose I'm jumping forwards a little bit. Do we want to say what... I suppose we're already in spoiler territory. Once yeah, Jeremy yeah. Renner defines what it is, it's like this is one of twelve, and they realize that they've been given like part of something. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, that, and the the reason that that happened is because then they're making us work together. Yeah, and I do love that's again. I think where it drops back into the hopeful bit of um, you know, how do we get them to stop this? Mm. How do we get them to show us their part? And it's just well, we share ours. You know, if we share ours, it'll encourage others to do the same. Um, I do feel we're glossing a little bit over the whole Amy Adams probably thinking she's going insane. Yeah. Seeing lots of stuff with her daughter. Um, There's one bit, you know, the bit that turns out to be a dream um, that she's like lying there and then the heptapod suddenly shows up in her tent. Um, Mm -hmm. Creepy as hell when you're sitting on your own. (laughs) I mean, if you've... I've never seen Enemy, but I know what the last shot is because apparently it just comes out of nowhere. But it's very similar to the last. Oh, shot. I have yeah. seen that movie. Now that you mention it, yeah, oh, I remember that, and I remember watching it going, um, "What?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's that it's it's framed very similarly as well. I didn't realize that was called Enemy. I always thought it was called something else. But yeah, I can't um, imagine what. what uh, Amy Adams's headspace is like, you know, yeah. just getting all these weird hallucinations of something and, that hasn't happened and people. She and that's the thing is like, and she's trying to plow through because she doesn't want to lose this opportunity to decipher this language. Um, so she's almost feigning that she's okay and just taking pills for it. Um, so yeah. part of part of my frustration with the film is that I felt I just didn't get enough of her with the daughter and there's a there's a scene actually i meant to bring it up there's a scene at the start of the film that i was like the script wasn't great and amy adams performance wasn't brilliant in this scene where mm. there it's her and her daughter playing outside i can't remember what she says i think she says like is there a pilgrim here or something like that and what's meant to be a playful tone but it just comes across as really fake i know where she says um what day is it and she goes sunday 
Is that not no, the part? No, they're like it? they're playing outside. All right. Oh yeah. Down. I thought that was a really small section. Oh, you're right. It's it's really they're kind of like playing cowboys and Indians kind of thing. And yeah, but it's running really around it's the a very garden. small scene, but it's like one of mm-hmm. the only proper interactions we get of the two of them. That and the one later on where we are now in the film, where she's having a discussion with her daughter about why she no longer speaks to her dad. And it's because that she's told that she made the, or her, her husband, her ex-husband says that she made the wrong decision. Yeah. And you're kind of starting to, I, I guess we're starting to put stuff together at this point. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause she can, cause this is the point where she now knows her daughter was going to die. And she knew that from the moment she had her. Yeah. And she still chose to seek yeah. it out. And yeah. that's the interesting thing for me, I guess, watching this um, first time I didn't have a kid. Um, and yeah, I'd totally make her decision. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know, think even that's if I knew as well is like because they see time as this kind of they can see fourth dimensionally, so they can see their decisions that they will make and decisions that they had make uh, had made, and they know that right. I'm going to die doing this, but look at all these things I will accomplish in the interim. Do I still yeah. want to accomplish those things, knowing that the ends will still be the same? And I know it's in a in a roundabout way, it almost seems like you don't have free will, but you have the free will to kind of keep doing it to justify That's, the end. Yeah, I wonder actually. They don't really go into that, right? And mm. it would take way too long if they did. Um, the movie is based on a short story, so maybe the short story goes into that, which is the, that whole concept you're touching on of determinism. Mm. Like, say, I can't remember which alien dies. Is it Abbott or Costello? I think it's Costello. Abbott, Abbott dies. <laughs> is it Abbott? So let's yeah. say it's Abbott. Um, <laughs> One of those generic heptapods things. Heplopods. Heplopods. Hufflepuff. Did they go into that situation choosing to go? Or did they, they probably go because... would have. But do they, though? Did they go into that situation because they already do? They do, though, don't, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there's a difference I think they there do. Of... Because if if they're saying like if they're coming from a, a point where they they obviously must live for thousands of years because if they 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 can experience what's way way in the future so if they go in three thousand years uh, humanity will help us they can obviously live that long because they would have memory of that time so that one that dies obviously knew that it was going to die at that moment but knew that it was an import, important part of its life to contribute towards that's the difficult thing right. That's, and obviously, again, super deep kind of science on that, and yeah. maybe philosophy too, is that if you can experience your entire life at all times, are you ever making a choice? I suppose you're and making you do every make choice at the same you, time. That's it. Do you suddenly see branching paths everywhere you see, or do you experience life where you see absolutely everything all at once? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, say, even me just picking up a drink, do I see the outcome of that? Do I see the outcome of when I didn't pick up the drink? And then how that ripples through my entire life, or do maybe, I always pick up a drink? But maybe that's always the whole up, yeah. concept on their writing style. So when you see their writing yeah. style, it's never a solid thing. So the way like humans and all that kind of stuff, when you write something down, it's a fixed text or fixed font or fixed whatever. But their writing, even when the sentence is complete, it's still kind of flowing. Like yeah, it's almost like it's always in fluid. Like anything could change. Like there's yeah. like solar flares or sunspots, but and there, the end, start, and end are always. Yeah, yeah. It hap- and I guess that's, as you're saying, is the symbolism of the circle. Mm. Is the circle doesn't have a beginning or an end. Yeah. yeah. Maybe for us it does, I guess, because we you know, start in one place. But once it's completed, it doesn't have a beginning or an end. Whereas our sentences, 
in any whatever human language. You know, you start one place, you end another. Um, it's very time based, whereas theirs mm. just happens all at once. They write the entire mm. sentence, whatever they're going to write, all at once. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, it's an yeah, interesting it's, it's kind of idea. One, like obviously, we don't have the, all the time in the world to kind of go into it. So yeah, no, it's something yeah. we should talk about in so future um, podcast. Yeah, I mean that kind of leads into the whole fact that Amy Adams starts understanding that she's seeing through time, mm. and then she gets that flash forward of you know after everything's successfully resolved, and she's talking to, um, is it General Zhang? Yeah. So yeah. that the, the lead up to that is basically before everything kind of goes off she needs a way of getting someone to share their screen or to have most of them shared except for china um, china are still going to proceed with no yeah that's the whole point is that yeah, she's, trying yeah. get, she's trying to yeah. understand how to get the message across through time mm. so that what eventually what she imagines could happen doesn't happen yeah so that's where she she meets Zhang, and Zhang understands that she's actually after She's already completed saving humanity and saving these heptapods and mm. aliens by seeing time in a circular fashion. So he, yeah. despite not understanding it fully himself, he knows that he has a massive part to play in that. So he gives her his phone number, what is it, for four or five years after what's mm. happened. So that yeah. back four or five years beforehand, she has his number. Yeah, I suppose the movie does it in a way that yeah, it's a very, I'm sure the nuances of it is probably far more advanced, more than we could even think of because obviously it's sci-fi but the movie does a good uh, way of explaining how it happens so you're experiencing that moment in the present but also you're experiencing that moment in the future and you can share that information <laughs> forward and back. Sorry. It's so weird. It's a, it's the Bill and Ted uh, philosophy of time travel where <laughs> <laughs> if you wow. want something to, to be existent you just have I'll to go back in time past. I'll leave it right here yeah. yeah I'll just put this in place and then I'll have it in the future <laughs> how do you know it's going to be there well I'll set a reminder that for myself to go back and put it there it's like I must have done it yeah it's it's weird so like I, I thought the movie does a very good um, way it has a really good way of explaining that that transmission of knowledge forward and back and I know it's only that one scene where you really truly see it Um but yeah, I mean, that's that's almost like a determination on the, the China's military leader where he knows his part in this now is that at some point in the future, he has to do this thing to ensure the past happens. But then again... No, he doesn't really understand it, which I liked. Mm. She asks... It's showing... Yeah. It's just, it's showing a trust, I suppose, yeah, more yeah. than more than the world shows trust to each other anymore. Yeah. Like that's but a, that's, in the future, yeah. she asks him... Um, what was what was it I did to convince you? And he's like, "You told me my wife's last dying words to me." Yeah, 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 exactly. Then yeah, she says over the phone to him, and obviously, like anyone, that would sort of shock you. Some random American person called you up on the phone and told you your wife's dying words. Um, I did have to suspend my disbelief a little bit at that point. I know it's an alien time travel film, mm-hmm. but where I didn't understand why he one he picked up the phone. And to why he listened past her basically screaming at Jerry, Jeremy Renner to buy her some time. Do you know? But yeah, it was, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it have been because it was a satellite phone calling from the base that they were previously communicating with? Is that I mean, just I can put it to his curiosity, right? 
Yeah. That he's not um impetuous. Mm. He would actually, you know, properly consider things. And I suppose that's it's then disbelief. It's not that I it's yeah. not that I hated it at all. It's just I did kind of think about it as it was happening, going, I'm not sure if this would happen. Yeah, I mean I do get that because especially that was a super loud scene with all the screaming. But yeah. I guess it, my point would be if he's someone who's capable of being persuaded against his course of action, he'd be fine with that. If he was really locked in to what he was going to do, he probably never would have picked the phone or he would have hung mm-hmm. up. I guess um, the, that does also go to it where he says, you're the, is it the, the only person that's ever changed my mind. Yeah. That's a weird one. So again, that's where I'm like, really? Yeah. Just to talk about a, a different aspect of the movie. I love the visual of the alien ships disappearing. Yeah, they just kind of like disappear into the fog of the sky yeah. again. It's like they almost just become the fog and they sort of just in, get enveloped by it. Mm. Um, yeah, visually, you can't fault this movie. Like visually, it's like... Fucking weed for the eyes. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I know you were saying, Ray, that it's a bit slow, and I guess that's it. There's a bit of science methodology going on, mm. and just you know, these things do take time. And I think I can't remember how long they say they're there for. Is it like six or eight months or something? Really? Um, it's a while. It's definitely a while. I don't know wow. if it's that long, but God, they definitely, yeah, implied it. It's more. Than I just a few assumed days, it was a like, couple of weeks. Yeah, I thought it was a few weeks, but I mean, that's... Uh, mm, I, yeah, I thought I it was a few months, but... But you, you might be right, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, um, but anyway, they do imply it's more than a few days. Um, and that's okay, I think... Well, I didn't they that say, process. Wasn't it like 200 hours between when they would go back in? No, it was like 18. Yeah, so definitely... It, because they've, You need to be debriefed and then get yourself together and then it's 200 hours and then you go back in, no? No, it's like oh. 18 hours between... Each time the ship opens, yeah, uh, I think it needed uh, the ship to time to circulate in a human atmosphere and gravity or something like that. Um, but then, like the way the movie kind of closes out, um, is it uh, Jeremy Renner's character then obviously declares his love for Amy Adams' character, and she says something along the lines of, "I forgot how good it was to be with you or to be held, be by, held you. by you." Yeah, yeah, um, and that's that where he, he, yeah, he's he's kind of acknowledging that she understands the linear part of time and obviously she didn't disclose um all of it until i guess maybe like i don't know whether it's a case that she hasn't disclosed that and in in turn didn't tell him that their daughter was going to pass away i think he would definitely yeah okay with the daughter thing she definitely didn't Mm. tell him but yeah um i think he definitely understands that she is different now because he's the is he a theoretical physicist yeah. Um, but he's a physicist of some sort. So he definitely understands all that nonlinear time stuff. Mm. And he understands that she is capable of it now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, I suppose he wouldn't be as freaked out by that sentence as a normal person. Mm. You know, I forgot. I how this nice is this be held by you. Yeah. This is uh, another, this, it more compounds my issue, my main issue with the film, which is the emotional connection to the characters, because. Jeremy Renner is a bit of light relief in a very heavy film. Yeah, he is kind of like comic relief sometimes. I never got the any sort of romantic feelings between the two of them. And I guess maybe that is supposed to happen after this. Yeah. But because they're obviously in such a 
tense situation, then maybe there's just no time for that. But I never saw it and I never felt it. Yeah, I mean, that's so the thing. I, the movie, the movie yes, could have benefited from a scene of not necessarily forced romanticism, but like a scene that maybe they're bonding over like a drink together, talking about how crazy it all is and just sharing some weird story from the past that they both kind of can bond over. And you see that, maybe see that glimmer of, I get this person. And we, if we ever get through this, we should, you know. See, I actually think it would have been more impactful if we had have seen him and her in her flash forward scenes as opposed to it being a reveal at the end, which I don't But you think do. You do kind of see bits of it. And I think, no, I think, okay, I agree with you both that um, maybe the movie could have done with a few more scenes, but I'm going to offer a complete counterpoint to that to say, I think it goes along what you were saying, Ed, that now that it's all over, they can find time for romance. Before they were too busy. They were very driven people academically and like scientifically that, you know, that's all they were so focused on that. Mm. Um, that there was no time for anything else. But now the alien literally as soon as the aliens are gone, that's when they kind of hug each other. And that's when it can actually start because they have a new focus. Yeah, no, um, I, I completely get what you're saying. It's more my the, it really pushes for an emotional ending. And I know it worked for you on that level, Rob, but for me, I didn't get enough out of the two of them and her with the daughter to elicit that from me. But then again, yeah. it's, it's people, you know, you have a, you have a daughter, so it's, it's very different approach. Mm. You're coming into that storyline. Yeah. I would say I'm probably reading it more from her connection with her daughter than her connection with him. Yeah. Especially because it's obvious to you that they break up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the difficult thing I see as a parent looking at it is what choice would you make? Would you definitely have a child if you knew they were going to die? And mm. you, you can literally experience all that love and time you'd spend with them, but you know they're going to experience something horrible. Um, I, I mean, selfishly or not, I probably would still have the child. Um, so, yeah, it's a horrible decision to make. It almost like seems like it would have benefited from not necessarily a montage of grief but something akin to the beginning of up to show her like you know show that bonding with the child up to a point and then yep. the real heart-wrenching separation because that the intro of up i don't care how strong of a man you are you were going to cry at that <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking devastating it goes back to what we we're saying with um abbott and costello and abbott dying mm. earlier right did amy adams actually have a choice to have this child or not because if she doesn't have the child she won't figure out the language yeah because like but... that uh, mention of the zero-sum game thing um all this kind of like how mm. her life bleeds back and forth so much now mm. once she starts experiencing time that way that she kind of does have to have the child because that's what drives her to do it but maybe like she was always going to make that decision so in a roundabout way even though you have the free will to change your decision that's the decision you will always ultimately make so it's it's kind of weird. Like you you would almost be changing your decision to spite yourself, mm-hmm. but by doing it, doing so, that's the future you would have seen, and that's the future you would yeah. have created. So maybe you know, in a roundabout way, there's no free will, but you're always seeing the future that your free will brought you to. It's mm. so messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's way, a headache, right? Way, way do not stone for this. 
<laughs> I've seen, uh, especially at the time, I saw some articles leveling at the film that it was a pro-life film, which I don't get from it at all. No, it's, no, uh, not at all. For If anything, it's a pro-choice film because Jeremy Renner is clearly furious with Amy Adams to the point that she he no longer talks to either of them. And you're not, they don't paint him as a bad person for doing that. Mm-hmm. It's clearly, no. it's clearly, uh, you know, a he, he, yeah, he kind of blames her like you did this to her, you know, I'd rather her not come into the world and have to suffer this. Yeah. And it's a clearly justifiable decision to make. You, you, you can make your arguments for either, um, which is why when I haven't watched the film, I was like, come on, <laughs> it's ridiculous putting this mm-hmm. political slant on a, on a very yeah, sometimes you know, like, just enjoy a movie. Yeah. yeah, um, so yeah, I suppose so, so. That's the synopsis, basically, uh, top to tail. Um, any kind of like cool Easter eggs or other kind of talking points you guys want to go on? I have one which is kind of cool. Um, oh, the fact that yeah, I know it's kind of it's hinted at in the movie and it's it's overly explained, but I do kind of like is the fact that uh, the daughter's name is palindrome in itself. So her name is the same front and back. So it kind of hints like it's the writing that they did. Um, I really like that. Um, it didn't yet the significance at the start of the movie doesn't really hit as to why it's a really cool name. And then towards the end, I think it's, it's mentioned again. Yeah. Cause mm. it's the same forwards and backwards. Don't aren't you a bit disappointed that the word palindrome isn't a palindrome. <laughs> what do you do? Do you think it should be called a meme? <laughs> <laughs> one of those like self-explanatory words um, yeah that's that is a nice easter egg mm. uh, i'm disappointed that uh happily 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 either sorry heptapod. Heptapod. i see the word in front of me now and i'm looking at it before i say it heptapod one one, one thing i did like about it i lo- i did like the use of um the max richter score so that's the piano tune that plays over the end gorgeous yeah yeah and that, really that nice Oh, is it over the intro as well, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's the same yeah. music over, over both. Yeah, because I remember listening to that album years ago. Um, I think that he had a bit of music that was on a Sky advert with Anthony Hopkins. Um, it was Vladimir Blues was the name of the song. And since then, I've always enjoyed like his stuff. He writes like really short like albums that are only like seven songs long, but they're like that really kind of slow building, repetitive piano pieces and strings. Absolutely beautiful. I have a couple of uh, IMDb trivia facts here for you. Shoot, Edward. So the inky circular alien language was created by Montreal artist Martin Bertrand. It is also the artist's son who created Hannah's drawings. Oh, nice. In writing the story, Ted Chang had in mind the following quote of the great physicist Albert Einstein, which I feel goes into our whole idea of do you have any decisions? The distinction between the past, present and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. So... I have a fantastic Easter egg and I don't know if it's a intended one or not is the guy. Um, I can't remember who he plays in the movie, but the actor's name is Michael Stuhlbarg. Um, and obviously this is a, a movie about seeing the past, present and future as one thing. He plays the alien in men in black three who can see time like that. You know, like oh, this could be the reality where we do this and this, and but there could also be the reality where we do that, that, that. Obviously, it's it's a completely unrelated thing, but I thought that was a funny coincidence. Oh, why didn't we do Men in Black Three? We can. 
Okay, so that's our episode on Arrival. Join us next time when we will be talking about yet another topic of some kind of relevance. Um, if you want to catch up with previous episodes, they're uh, in there in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and generally places you can find good podcasts. Uh, we also have an Instagram account. Um, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? It's at Screen17Podcast. There is one post up there at this time. <laughs> <laughs> but you can definitely send us a message of some kind. And Are say, you taking screen captures of the uh, <laughs> podcast okay. recordings? Just whenever Eddie's screen freezes, I'm just going to take a picture of it and just post it up there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, feel free to contact us if you have a topic that you want to hear us discuss. Uh, we're more than happy going to uh, take up suggestions and I promise by the way on the by the time the next episode goes up I will have gotten the Facebook page back up and running <laughs> are you locked out of it? no oh fair enough <laughs> <He's> <laughs> just I haven't, haven't been arsed <laughs> <laughs> fair enough so uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Screen 17 Podcast I've been Ray I'm Rob and you're the diligent speaker Ed and uh, I still am the diligent speaker yeah <laughs> and we'll chat to you next time see you guys